to not lose that ability to listen to that inner voice because through those sort of those these instances in our life that really push us it's like when we need to listen to that inner voice the, the most about lots of layers of things, but mostly it's a testament to what a person can endure. We can accomplish all kinds of things when we believe in ourselves, when we simply tell ourselves, yeah, I can do this. Following our inner voice of strength is the key, Hillary tells us. Most of us have a couple inner voices. I have the strong ones that tell me all the positive mantras that you can now find as a quote of the day on Instagram. And I have those that remind me of my failures, but we always have choices. Every day we're faced with decisions about the way we spend our time, the food we eat, who we hang out with, what we have to say, and our general attitude about life. I often wish I did a better job at keeping the negative voices at bay, but then again, I remind myself how far I've come, how truly good my life is, and that I believe a large part of my awesome life is that I choose to see things around me as positive. And that's the whole point of Hillary's story. She went through a trauma that changed her whole life, and yet she kept this positive inner voice and attitude. And her life now? Well, I didn't know her story when I first met her, and I never would have guessed it. That's kind of my favorite part about these stories, listening to them and learning from them. Most of the time when we see people, we don't know their story. We don't know what loss or trauma they may have been through. But if we listen to them, we can learn an awful lot about how to live a really great life, despite all that rough stuff. As I'm recording this today, it is National Women's Day. Cheers to women all over the world who are constantly inspiring all the rest of us, who have changed the world by acts of bravery, boldness, and kindness. A big thank you to all of you who inspire me daily to keep going and to keep being a better person. And I would love to hear personally from you, if you're listening to this, yes, you, the one that's in the car or running around Portland or maybe Australia, um, reach out. Tell me who you're inspired by. I would love to know. And if they're local, maybe they want to come tell their story to me. So... I'm sitting here with Hillary, and Hillary has a story to tell us. So take it away. Okay. Um, when I was 17 years old, I was standing with my back to our fireplace, something I had been doing my entire life. And um, all of a sudden, my mom, she's on the phone, sitting on the floor, and she starts screaming. And I can feel that all of a sudden, the fire's gotten extremely hot. And Basically, my dressing gown and nightgown got pulled into the fireplace and ignited. And I went into a completely like, okay, my brain just went to um, stop, drop, and roll. But I also was like, oh, I can't do that here because then the whole house could go on fire. So I moved. Wait, you're on fire. Right. And you had the wherewithal. Uh, it was just like my... Your like, reaction was like, I can't do that here because I'll set the whole house on fire. Right. I mean, I really wasn't conscious, but I just like, like oh each step. God. So I went outside, I mean, very, like not very far, maybe like 10 steps out the front door. Um, 
onto the porch and there's all our firewood. So I'm like, no, I can't do it here. Went down three steps, then onto the snow and the ground. And then my mom's there patting me out, patting me, you know, patting the fire out. And, um, and then uh, it was kind of, I still, it's, it's amazing because I can remember it all so clearly. Um, so my mom sent me over to our neighbors, who's a pediatrician, and called 911. Um, but I had like, at this point she'd taken off my dressing gown, so I'm like naked, walking to my neighbor. You're naked? Yes. But it's like, it's just like happening like this. Right. Like everything is just... Super fast. Right. And um, she, my mom calls the, and the ambulance arrive and I get taken to Mass General Hospital. Now, where are you living at this point? In Cambridge, Massachusetts. Okay. And um, they, so it ended up that I had third degree burns on 35% of my body. And um, I ended up spending six weeks in the hospital um, and had three skin graft operations. But it's the thing, one of the things that was really interesting that I found out after I was in the hospital, but there was when I was in, my family were told, you know, it's probably going to be 10 to 12 weeks that she's going to be here. And generally, um, skin graft operations don't take, so it can take, you know, sometimes two, three times for somebody with burns to have skin grafts work. So three was like the minimum. Number of operations. Right, and six weeks was the minimum that they told me. Yes, because they told you, Mm -hmm. you're going to be here for about six weeks, and you're going to have three skin graft operations, and they told me they would be taking the skin from other parts of my body. Um, Because the way, I'm going to go into detail, but the way it works is that they, they can either put skin on flat, like just have a flat chunk, or they, in a sense, like put it through a cheese grater so they can stretch it. And that's more effective in terms of it growing back. Because basically they're putting on the skin to grow back. It's like you have a giant wound. Right. And so it's, it doesn't always start growing. But in my head, yeah, three weeks. I mean, three operations, six weeks. And that's what it was. So you ended up out of there exactly Yeah, six almost weeks exactly later. Three, six weeks later. Yeah. And with three operations. Yeah. Because in your mind... That's what they told you. Right. <laughs> so that's what you made happen. Yes. I mean, and it was it was like the first, I, I mean, I don't think I fully grasped that, in a sense, power of the mind that I had, but it was, it was definitely um, an awakening of that. My, my own sense, like I knew, I knew I was going to be fine, like right, even when it was happening. I remember thinking my first, another thought that went through my head was like, oh, I guess I won't be going to school tomorrow. <laughs> of course. Right? <clears throat> the things that your mind goes to when it's you're just, in this state, I'm always fascinated by what people tell me. It's just so funny. You're just like, yeah, you're not. <laughs> but I didn't really have any idea of like how serious, um, what had happened. When, that's what I was wondering. So of course my curiosity says, you catch on fire. And your mind immediately says, oh, I can't stop, stop, drop, and roll here or here or here, which I find wild, just wild, right? And then you're outside, and she's put you out, and you have your clothes off. Are you in immediate pain? 
like can you feel the amount of pain you're in or is your body in shock enough my, at this point? my body's in shock enough but by the time um well i think even when the when um the ambulance arrived i mean i was just crying uncontrollably i wanted my mom there but they were they gave me something for the pain immediately and it really sort of started to sink in sort of the pain level once i was in the emergency room and I remember getting to a point where I was like, you know, can I have some more? And they're like, you're maxed out. I'm like, for now, you're maxed with what we can give you. And did um, that continue? So you're there at the hospital, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, no, I need some more pain med. And they yeah. tell you, okay, this is as much as you can have. Right. Did that continue? It, it did for, say, the first, like, maybe 24, 36 hours. And then it was more sort of getting comfortable in, because I couldn't, it was just pretty much flat, lying flat. And two, the way they treat burns is they um, wrap you in these like gauze that's soaked in the stuff called silver nitrate, um, which I tell you, it turns your skin black. So it can be pretty hard for people who come to see you. So, because I had a burn on my elbow, so my whole arm, my, you know, people, my hands black, or my arms black, or other parts of me that weren't, I mean, my face and everything wasn't, but there was, they're like, oh, it just looks like I've been charred. Right. Um, but they put these wraps on, and they, you have to have them changed twice a day. And that's where it was really painful, because it's basically like having, um, you know, a Band-Aid on right. that has to be taken off twice a day. Oh. Um, and it really made a difference, like, who the nurse was that was doing it huge. And I feel like there's this one nurse who was amazing. Her name was Pearl. She was this African-American woman. And she just had this heart of gold. And I was, like, always, like, oh, it's Pearl. Like, I just relaxed. And then there was this sweet young nurse. And it was, like, we were figuring it out together. Um, and I remember somebody came in who actually she'd been burned and she was doing research there and she taught me how to do visualization and relaxation. So like before my dressings were gonna get changed, I would do this whole, in a sense like a meditation as if imagining my body was filled with sand and then I'm emptying it out to just relax so that when they did it, it would be less painful. Did that work for you? It did, it was amazingly helpful, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you lucked out in that <laughs> In that department in some way that you yeah. ended up with this nurse who taught you yeah. a skill that was super helpful yeah. during that period of time. Yeah. Now, where were you burned? So I was burned on um, my right side from my sort of, just just above my waist and all from sort of going from my, not quite to my belly button and right around, wrapped around my back and my whole buttocks and down my whole right side of my, my right leg and then on the back side of my left leg. So, to some degree, uh -huh. this, so you get out. I was thinking about how much of this is covered, right? So as you right. go through, so I'm headed in this direction yeah. of like, yeah, yeah. okay, so, so we're just, we get through this six weeks because they told you six weeks and you, you were like, and I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> so you leave the hospital. Yeah. And what happens after that first six weeks So when you get out? Like, is so there follow-ups? Like there is. I did, there was, there was physical therapy. And too, I had to wear these really um, tight legging support things for, uh, well, I was through my, my, the fall of my freshman year at college. 
So Several I think years. it was I think it was at least a year. Okay. Um, oh, okay. Because right, you were seventeen. I was a senior in, in high school. Oh, you were a senior. Okay. Um, yep. Yeah, they were these. So even in the summer, really hot. <laughs> um, so because what happens with the scar tissue is it rises up, so it's like keeping it contained. So you have to wear them. And I had to. I still had some open wounds when I left. Um, so I had to had to come back and just get stuff checked and do physical therapy um, uh, with it, like getting back up um, fully function or moving. Um, and is it because of the fact that you were laying down for six weeks that there was physical therapy or was it because of the movement of your skin and getting used I, to? I think it was getting, it was the movement of the skin. I mean, I still had full pretty much full mobility um i think it was to building up strength because mm. um, when you when you're lying in bed for six weeks you're not your your muscles really atrophied and i had been um you know athletic my entire life either playing field hockey and lacrosse or downhill racing or skating so it's the first time to not be active okay so that was my next thought then is i'm assuming you did these sports in high school i did so then, at least the field hockey and lacrosse. Okay, so you were playing field hockey and lacrosse, and you get done with this, and you're in physical therapy. Are you able to go back to any of that? So I did. I went back to. I mean, I I didn't play the position that um, I had normally played because I couldn't run at the same pace, and I had to be careful. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I can remember one game that I played, and I fell, and my entire team like there was this huge gasp. And the danger there is if you fall... I could easily tear, tear. in a sense. Yeah, you just um, tear it. That was my thought. Like yeah, you could just kind of tear right. yourself open. So um, I didn't, but it was it was sort of like a, okay, I got to... Um, but I was the captain of my team. So I wanted to be have a presence. It was like, that was a hard thing. I mean, I remember thinking, oh, I'm going to miss that. Um, so in my... my my coach and my team were just incredibly supportive to find a way for me to get on the field so that's kind of great yeah and you were able to do that sort of right when you returned yeah I mean I because it was I was burned the sort of like the end of middle of end of January and I got out like the end of February beginning of March and um and then there was like spring break so I went back to school like I want to say April okay um and I had they I luckily I had done enough classes, so I only had to finish English. Oh, so I really <laughs> had to do one class. That's great. Yeah. So in the meantime, then I was thinking about okay, so obviously this is affecting you physically. Mm-hmm. How is this affecting you mentally and emotionally? And are your so are your friends coming to visit you? And how are they about it? You know, it was, it was very. Um, it's so interesting how when you're in a situation like that how everybody sort of handles things differently and um, I had some friends who really stepped up and some friends who had a really hard time seeing me in the hospital um, I had incredible support with my family and this um, my cousin who was I can't remember where he was at college but he he came every week um, to visit me it was like two hours out of his way but he had been in an accident about four years earlier so he knew and it was really interesting. It was always just like great to see Skip because there was nothing that you know he didn't. He was just him. He wasn't like, well, how can I? How should I talk to you? Or how should I behave around you? Or no, it was yeah. It's an interesting process. So you through. 
you like you said, you have friends that step up, you have yeah. others that can't quite handle it, you yeah. go back to school, you finish high school, mm-hmm. and you graduate on time, yep. and all that, and then you go off to college. Yeah. And <laughs> that's where it feels like everything came off the rails. I was going to say, because like, it sounds I, like, oh, this is going kind of okay. Yeah, because I was within my support system. And I'm with my friends, all, too, even after I graduated, you know, I was still with my family. And then going off, to, I went to UVM, big university. And it, it was really like, I didn't know who I was anymore. I, di- I mean, I was still me, but there was, I was a little disconnected. Um, and so um, I really wasn't making some of the smartest choices. And... You know, and two, it felt like it was it was so fresh, and I really felt like I wanted to tell everybody. And it wasn't really a story that people necessarily wanted to hear. So it was, and it was kind of like, but they're, I'm wearing these funny <laughs> leggings. It wasn't when leggings were popular. You know? Right, right. I mean, so you're, you, you stand out. I stand out. Yeah. And you're clearly trying to process this, and you want to talk about it. Right. And or you I, feel like you need to or want to or something. Yeah. I was sort of like, I, I, in some ways I wasn't really sure. I mean, I kind of wanted to because I felt like um, this was such a big thing for me that to not share it was like, you need to know this about me if we're going to really have a, a friendship. It definitely um, was a process of figuring that out. Like with my friends who had been there when, I, when it happened, it was really easy. I could talk to them about it. Right. And then, like, a sidebar that ended up being, it really ended up being a way of filtering out guys. <laughs> sure. Right. So you're, you, obviously, you're not going to stop your life. So right. So you, you start to date somebody, and at some point. Right. So. You, you and, need to tell them this. Right. And some, there were definitely guys who just couldn't handle that. You know, they would still be friendly and nice, but it was clearly, like, and then others who it was, they, it was like that made it interesting, you know, made like or mm. made you know wanted to know this this story of going through that, and they didn't see it as a barrier. And to physically, once I stopped wearing the legging, it's physically very, especially within those first sort of like three years, it was much like it looks the same. It's the same color of my skin. I mean, if you you can see that it's it's definitely different. But for the first couple of years, it was much more bright red. So it really stood out. And I, I was like, I'm going to wear shorts. I'm going to go to the beach. You know, because my doctors were like, don't let this, this shouldn't hold you back. And so I did. But it was, it was, I mean, it was definitely, un, you know, there were times when it was definitely uncomfortable. It's like when, because um, it, it was, you could tell it was making other people uncomfortable. That's what I was wondering. Yeah. So, What's interesting about this is that I think that depending on who you are, on who you are, and what your personality is, you may have wanted to hide this and always wear jeans and you know be out in the summertime and wear a long dress and just not let anybody see it. And you didn't do that, right. which is awesome. You were like, whatever. Right. Like, this is who this I am. This is who now. I am now. Right. But other people, you know, with any sort of thing that is considered out of the norm, on a long list of things that are out of the norm. I know I've I've seen people react to things like this mm. and burns you know in the past yeah and I know exactly what you mean where people sort of you can watch them be really yeah. uncomfortable with it yeah mostly it's been children who've been curious 
who've come up and what happened to your, you know, what's wrong with your skin or what happened to your skin? Um, but then they want, they want to hear the story. They want to know. And I'm always happy to share that if somebody asks. When you went to college, so there was this period where you were trying to figure out whether, like, when do I tell somebody? Right. How do I tell somebody and how do I deal with this? You talked about feeling lost a little bit, like you didn't know who you were. Yeah. How did you get through through that? Like, what were there things that you were able to do, people that you relied on? Like, what did you do in that period of time where you felt like all of a sudden you'd had this big, huge life event? Yeah. You're in the hospital, and then you're thrown into college, and it's a whole different world. Yeah, in some ways. I mean, I just kept putting one foot in front of the other. Um, and I think that what suffered the most was my grades. I wasn't the student that I was in high school. I think it was just like, I just got to get through this. And I had, I, I ended up having some really good friends who were really supportive, both um, men and women. So as the time, the longer I was there, the more comfortable I became too. Obviously, the more time I've been in this, in a sense, new body. Um, our new body image is really a big part of it was coming to grips with my new body image yeah and did you did you feel like because it sounds to me like you were so comfortable right away or you you put yourself out there as like I'm gonna wear shorts I'm gonna not hide my body right was there a time where you felt impacted by being different than the other girls where you went through a thing or, or different than anybody where you went through something and thought oh, this is so hard and so unfair. You know, did you have feelings of... It's an interesting question. I'm sure I did. I think there was a, a just a self-consciousness. Like, being... Before my accident, I, w- I would have said I was very comfortable and content in my body. And um, now I felt like there was a little bit, like, holding... How do I go forward? Like, the, it's... This is... So I was much more self-conscious of my body, wanting to be, and it was, I mean, I, I, I can't, there wasn't necessarily a particular point where things switched, where I went from, okay, I'm out here, and, but in some ways, if I look back on it now, it was almost like my, like, wearing shorts and being out there was like putting it out there so people would see it. So I, so it was like, there was a little bit of me pushing out there to then when it started to just be like oh no this is just who I am I can just be and there was a comfort this is just who I am now um and I'd come to know how my how what what limitations it had what what I had to do to take care of it I didn't think I mean it's it's interesting because I don't think I felt any different even though like from other women that's kind of amazing I mean have you ever thought about that and realized like you feel like it was a choice in your mind to say like no, I'm not going to let this emotionally take over. Because I feel like in in that same circumstances, I mean, I'm fascinated by the idea that this could happen to one person and completely destroy their life or, mm. or change them. Yeah. Um, it could change them in such a big way emotionally and with their confidence in their, in their container. Yeah. Which I talk about a lot with photography. Yeah. And you were like, no, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> 
do you think that was a conscious decision? I think it was. I mean, I think it was, you know, and I think the decision, like my, the, or maybe not conscious, but that like knowing when I was told three operations, six weeks, like that, that sort of, and my doctor saying, you know, this doesn't have to hold you back, impact you. you, you know, you can go to college, you can live your life, you can get married. And so I was like, yes, I can. <laughs> so it wasn't ever like, okay, yeah, this, this does, um, can make me feel different, but it doesn't, by being different, it doesn't have to make me be, not have a fulfilling life. You know, and I think that too, my husband, when I met Will and I was still in college, um, you know, it was clear that it was never an issue. It never, it never even like crossed his mind. So I think that also had a huge impact, like having that support um, from that point on was huge. Yeah. Do you think that, was there a time when you were in the hospital in that first chunk of time where those things, do you remember those things going through your mind and having your doctor come in and go, oh yeah, no, you know, you can live a normal life and, you know, your life is going to go on and you're not going to be held back and you can get married and do all these, I mean, did you, I mean, at 17, do you feel like you were like, oh wow, I've got this huge injury, what's this going to do? Were you questioning that at all? I mean, I I was like, well, I I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to trust that I'm going to do this. Like, I don't know how. I was like, it was so, like, I don't know what it's going to be like to have this. I don't know how my body's going to respond to, the, you know, the final healing of this, how it's going to impact my movement. You know, and it's, it's a big percentage, 35%, that is now covered in scar tissue, which doesn't sweat, so it doesn't cool or heat itself up in the same way that the rest of our skin does. It really doesn't stretch in the same way. So, um, you know, so I, I get cold very easily. I can get hot very easily. I can, right. You know, and, and like I do a lot of yoga and a lot of it is to stretch that scar tissue, continually stretching that so that, because I know in some ways I'm not really, I can feel like, okay, my muscles aren't fully being stretched because the scar tissue is just like, that's as far as we're going. Like, right. that's it, it girl. so far. <laughs> yeah. um, so it's learning to live with that and uh, being okay with that. Yeah. Just um, knowing what the limitations are around right. your body now. Right. Like, I almost always have something I can throw on to, you know, to warm myself up. Because um, you're just so aware of it. Yeah. I mean, it's almost, yeah, because, it, I mean, it'll fit, it'll feel cold to the touch. Like, it'll be amazing. You'll be, you know, you could put your hand on one side of me, my left side, and it would feel warm. And this can feel like it's ice, like really cold. <laughs> that's so wild. Even yeah, in my house. I never thought about. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that is, yeah, an interesting, this is, this is what it is. Yeah, that's stuff you never think of. No. I think in a lot of ways, the whole experience, you know, as I look back on it now, um, was very empowering. Um, you know, even in the moment I would have said no, but looking back, because it just showed me how strong I was mm-hmm. and how, um, you know, really, if I put my mind to things, I can, I can get through um, and I can physically handle a lot of pain, which then I think came in, <laughs> in handy when I had two children. Right, right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that, 
yeah, that I was just like, wow, I'm a pretty strong person coming out of it. I mean, in the, in the moment I didn't see that, but I can see that now and where I've come. Was there, you said you had a strong support system. Was there something in particular you needed that you didn't have? Or do you feel like when you look back, you're like, okay, thank goodness everything fell into place. I had all the right people. I had all the right stuff emotionally. The part where I was like, ooh, when I got to college, like, I, I, I think, boy, if I'd been at a smaller school, I think I would have gotten a lot more support. In a lot of ways, I probably should have been connected to a social worker on campus right away, like had somebody who I could go and talk to. I didn't have that. I mean, I had a therapist who my mom had introduced me to, so I was calling her every once in a while. But I think if I'd had somebody who I could have talked to, I probably would have. There's some of the choices I made I don't think I would have made. Mm -hmm. Um, Those choices really felt like that wasn't me, that like that's not the core of who I am. And luckily they didn't, there was potential they could have gotten me into trouble and luckily they didn't. And two, there, you know, I just think there were a lot of, college, I definitely didn't get out of college what I went in to get out of. It was really like, I mean, I had a good time. I made some great friends. I enjoyed where I was at, but um, it felt a little bit like survival. I think what was interesting to me when we had talked about this before and looking back I was like oh you turned around and went right into college like I I remember we talked about this and it was this idea of like maybe we should have just paused a little (laughs) or or rethought this I mean you just think all right well this is what I signed up to do and I guess I can go so off I go without realizing how difficult that would be right on the back of the sort of major life event that was like I need a little time to process this. Yeah, I don't think I don't think I realized how, that I needed, and I, definitely my parents. I think my parents were like, "Oh, let's just keep her going." Right. You know, let's right. better for her to go off. And yeah, I, I look back, especially because my son just took a gap year, and I see the value for him, and I think, "Wow, that would have been so beneficial for me." Um, it just would have given me more time, and and. Because I was so, I really wasn't, I mean, this is like, I felt like I wasn't in my body when I went to um, college. And you know, you're 18 and there's lots of guys and people are hooking up and it's just like, oh. Right, right. There's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. A lot. And you're away from home. Yeah. For the first time. I mean, there's so many layers there for somebody who hasn't just gone through. Right. You know. Yeah. The burn unit. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> like, that's a Not even under, yeah, under you. Yeah. <laughs> Um, what, so I always say at the end, what advice would you give to somebody else who has gone through something similar to this? I think you've given some great advice throughout, you know, the fact that now when you look back, you're able to see actually how strong you were and, and all these pieces. What other advice would you give? I think I'd give that, at least for me, my inner voice, like when I was in the hospital, my inner voice was very strong. But it was like, it was a protected place. I was in the hospital, but it was like to not lose that ability to listen to that inner voice. Because through those sort of those, these instances in our life that really push us, it's like when we need to listen to that inner voice the, the most. Because I really think it was, it guided me when I was, even when I sort of got out of the hospital and finished finished high school, 
it was definitely telling me, um, yeah, you should start running, <laughs> you know, yeah, this will be good. You don't have to push it, but yeah, it'd be good for you to be out there yet, yeah. you know, like keep doing this. And I think when I went to college, it was basically like, I put that voice in the closet and said, I, <laughs> like, I didn't know how to listen to myself anymore, but it's at seven or 18. It's hard to do that. So it's in a lot of ways, it's learning to find and hear the, that inner voice that guide that we all have and not to lose it yeah and to not to lose it because I think there's times when we all can hear it and yeah. listen to it more strongly mm-hmm. and then times when but like it was interesting that you that you said like okay you were in this like little bubble almost in this protected place and even when you went back to your house it was the world that you knew right but once you got thrown over here into college it sort of went off like you said it, it went off the rails <laughs> yes. so because you you sort of lost that mm. and I do think it's hard to keep a hold of it sometimes yeah it is um, but it's amazing how resilient that inner voice is it's always working at us to come back to our center and always working to bring us back even when there's lots of stuff that's pulling us in other directions and I think part of the reason why I, I lost, in a sense, touch with that is because I, I didn't have a support system at college, at least in the beginning. It took a while. Mm-hmm. Once I had that, it was, it was easier for me to be listening again. Over and over again, I hear people, when, we inter, when I do the interview and when we talk, hear, I hear them say, having a support system was key, relying on those people realizing I wasn't alone and feeling that the strength that comes from being connected yeah. to other people yeah. is so invaluable. I mean, for me too, it was feeling like, okay, I'm still lovable, even though I'm scarred. And you know, we all have scars. They're not necessarily as, as visible as mine, but that sort of, that whole notion that, yeah, we're all lovable no matter what scars we have. And seeing, looking at people in that same way too. Totally. Thank you for sharing. You're welcome. This was fun. A huge thank you to Hillary, of course, for being brave and telling her story. And to Keith Keneff for the fabulous theme music that he provided. And I can't wait to share the next stories that I've recorded. I'll see you guys soon.